Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved Eric Marchin. Full moon rises before nightfall, a good night to enjoy the fruits of the land. Oh, today we finish off reviewing the Fear Street trilogy with part three, 1666. The number of the beast minus <laughs> wow. thousand. If anyone was listening right now, they just probably were like, my ears are ringing. Um, starring everyone from those first two movies. Um, and uh, yeah, this finishes but Matt, off. How can they be back if a lot of them were killed off in the last two films? Yeah, yeah. we'll get to that in, in one moment. Um, now uh, released on Netflix, you can enjoy the entire trilogy of Fear Street films all available on Netflix right now. So um, if you guys didn't know, you should go back and listen to our Fear Street part one and two review before you listen to this. And I hope you watched those movies before you watched this one uh, or else you'd be very lost. Well, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, part of it. Yes. I, yes. I think actually. Yeah. I think you the, could watch it up yeah. until the last 45, 45 minutes, minutes. Yeah, or maybe yeah. a little bit of the beginning as well. But like, I think that this works kind of as its own thing with the exception of sort of the wraparound story i don't know this is to me more the first and third movies obviously have clear bookends to them where that second movie i feel like you could potentially just jump in and watch it um even though i think the second is the weakest of of the three but yeah and director um, lee yeniak was basically sort of hired to um do number produce one and three three, where the second one was going to be alex ross perry but you know, for whatever reason, creative differences or, or something that was never made clear kind of uh, fell off and, and and didn't end up directing part two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this uh, completes the kind of uh, gimmicky three week release strategy um, that Netflix was doing with these films. So you had three full length feature films, uh, a trilogy of horror movies, all interconnected, telling different time periods, but an overall story uh, kind of bookended by this 1994 uh, time period. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Eric, take it away. What is the, this part three, 1666? Well, if you have been listening uh, to the podcast or hopefully watching the other two films, if you're interested in the Fear Street trilogy, you'll know that this is the conclusion, um, which is partly a wraparound story, bringing it back to 94. But the majority of this film takes place three centuries earlier uh, and sort of focuses on an Irish colony of settlers um, who have been cursed uh, by the devil, or at least they believe that they've been cursed by the devil uh, because uh, the Puritan um, sort of curse that has been set upon them has rotten their food and, you know, tainted their livestock and turned people against each other. You know, love thy neighbor is turned to hate thy neighbor and suspect thy neighbor. And essentially, what you have is where good is evil, Eric. Yes, we'll we'll get to that. That's <laughs> so dumb. And and you know that that was like a big like moment when they were writing the script. It's like you know what? Uh. Let's let's flip them. <laughs> good is evil. Evil is good. You know, like it's just like yeah. almost. We won't like get too deep. Like, Let's not get too deep into that. What we mean by that, right? But yeah, right. But yeah, but, yeah. but I mean for the people that that have seen the first two yeah. films they probably got that right away so you spoiled it for them if they haven't seen it yet good going uh but no but you this, would you might not know what that means right. that's just a generic statement right so now the more we but talk it about like, it it feels like it's it. it's 
it's more meaningful or, or philosophical in its sort yeah. of like, oh wow, oh, this totally. is this is this is a deep sort of sort of saying. But basically what you have We're is, hanging too much on it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. What you have is the Salem witch trials. And yeah. it, instead of, you know, a bombastic score of seventies or nineties music that's used ironically, there is still a little bit of that again in sort of the the book ending of, of this. Yeah. But um you have kind of Marco Beltrami's canned folk uh themes kind of playing throughout that's so generic. And the idea of this isn't necessarily bad because you have Dina, uh, Kiana Madeira, again, kind of taking over or becoming the Scott Bakula, if you will, of uh, <laughs> this film in a quasi quantum leap sort of yeah. story where it, you you have the characters from those first two films playing different roles here of the town people um, in 1666. Yeah. yeah and, and specifically Sarah Fear. Um, who's an avatar, I guess, in, in this telling, because you're seeing the story through, or Sarah is showing Dina the, the story, you know, through We're her. We're finally getting that sequel to Avatar. Right. You know? <laughs> but it is also interesting to talk about this because we haven't seen it yet, but like you even look at something like, um, you know, Edgar Wright's upcoming movie, you know, Last Night right. in Soho, which has is a very similar, similar premise, idea right? yeah. sort of with that gimmick. But I understand them doing it because, you know, she is Dina is seeing Sarah's story and where that goes and sort of seeing a couple other characters that is like the idea of evil reincarnated. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't understand why they had to bring the entire cast and crew back or the t- entire cast back to, you know, fill these roles out because it almost feels a little ridiculous or redundant at that point, because also you kind of question like, well, if these characters are related to you know like bloodline centuries later to the other ones well some of them wouldn't make it so some of them wouldn't exist in the future yeah i don't think that was what they were implying right like i think it's just a stylistic kind of uh, gimmicky thing right? right like i don't think it's necessarily supposed to I don't be think like it these works, are there yeah, I, I like the idea of it, um, of going, okay, <clears throat> what's that through line for the movies? Okay, we're, we're trying to do this trilogy of movies. Because they didn't do that in part two. Time. That's the other thing. Yeah. Like, they did, like, if they were going to do that. If then were, do it all three movies. Yeah, almost, like, it, right? like basically yeah. like a Ryan Murphy anthology but then, series. But then I, I hear you on that. But then I, I also don't mind that if you have these two distinct time periods in, you know, more quote unquote modern time periods of 78 and 94 and then you go back to tell the origin origins like the beginnings of it and you take the cast of those two movies and tell that origin because they both affected those two groups in a similar way and then that's how they'll bring those two groups together in you know in 94 um that i don't mind the idea of taking the cast of both of those movies and putting them into these roles i like that idea of it is it a little bit distressing Distracting, yes. Does it completely work? No. Um, like I, I, but I like the idea of it. I just feel like, and I think you're gonna about to get into it, is like the execution of it just comes off as you know, it, it's distracting to the point of it. 
you remember those first two movies and it just feels like those characters or those actors just doing, uh, I'll let you say what you're saying is, but for me, it felt like a, uh, a high school production of the witch or something, right? Yeah, like well, that's in how my I Rogers review, it. I said, it's basically yeah. the crucible, you know, dinner theater edition yeah, where everybody yeah. has really bad or sort of put upon Irish accents. The costume and wigs are ridiculous, especially on, uh, Randy, uh, Havens, who, you know, again, another uh, Stranger Things actor who plays a science teacher in Stranger Things has this yeah, horrible yeah. wig. And I almost feel like maybe some of his scenes were or a scene was deleted in the 94 um, right. installment because it's almost like we're supposed to know who he is right. from so seeing him the first really time. But we've, yeah, we've only him. heard that, you know, he's basically a drunk and is, mm-hmm. is you know, a bad father and like you, you never see him. So I almost feel like maybe a scene of his was cut out because the way that he's introduced, it's almost like, oh, it's him again. But now he's wearing <laughs> this ridiculous, like, you know, long hair and, 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 you know, all this. And then again, like it's, it's running parallel in terms of, you know, the relationship that Dina has um, that is, you know, forbidden love and what have you is considered at this point, you know, devil worship and, and, and um, you know, something that is, not considered um, pure. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at, again, it's it's trying to say, like, look at how things have changed and look how things haven't changed in terms of, you know, this Sarah's relationship with the pastor's uh, daughter. And again, like, I feel like it, the point is history repeats itself. And there are things that even though it gets better, or at least, you know, the times change, but people don't, it never really kind of lands emotionally uh, yeah. on some of that stuff, especially when you get to the inevitable conclusion of what the this is going, what this is going for, and and I never cared about Sarah as a character because. Yeah. I just saw Dina, right? Like that's the other thing it does do where like right. the quantum leap thing where like anytime Scott Bakula looks into a mirror or something, you see the, GC, the person yeah. or, or I mean even source code, like something like that with Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Where like yeah, you see yeah, yeah. the person that he's inhabiting. But every time it cuts back to Sarah, it's almost like, okay, well you're supposed to really care. Recently we saw that in something too. Yeah. But you're supposed like- to care about the character and I just never did. And it never hit me on that emotional sort of playing field, the way that even something like Paranorman. Oh, Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what oh, I was God. thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's something <laughs> that even like Paranorman does actually yeah, really yeah, quite yeah. well with sort of, you know, looking at the past atrocities of sort of, you know, small towns that you know, aren't thinking rationally and are blaming something, someone that's different. The whole idea of, you know, somebody that's different is automatically evil. Um, Mm. And it just, like, I get what it's going for and I appreciate that. I just felt that it was kind of um, so heightened and removed from sort of the gothic look of it. And again, we've talked about this even with, you know, um, 78, where I think if it was shot on film, it would add a little bit of texture to it. They needed to kind of match the styles of those movies, right? With being the 70s camp slasher and now this like Victorian or or whatever. Gothic horror horror kind of feel. And it didn't really have that. And I'm with you that it did feel like bad dinner theater. And like, and and I think it's that prequel problem again. And we talked about it on our last reviews where you said like, I like the idea of a movie telling a story in reverse. It's just, you, you need to have some sort of, and I know the hook in this is like the gimmick of the three movies, but like, you well, need to have something. I know what you did last summer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, a more enjoyable kind of movie because of its, you know, corniness of, of the time. And yeah. It's they t- needed for 
period actor in this one yeah um and that's what also could have been cool in these if you would have brought in a lot of like maybe actors from the 90s or even 70s of like those movies and had them like maybe it's distracting to have them cameo or star in these movies but um, but is it any I'm more distracting having sort of you know netflix yeah. stranger thing actors sure yeah, pop yeah. Up with throughout all of them and like again like this if these are supposed to be a love letter to these like kind of style of horror movies and you're trying to make three distinct different genre like subgenres of horror movies then like i feel like again another problem that has been consistent they feel almost too modern throughout all three of them yep. and like the 90s stuff i like the most and in this movie it's not really a spoiler because obviously they need to tie up that story as well but you get some more stuff in the 90s and i felt going fuck i probably just would have rathered like another movie set in the 90s later in the 90s or something like that and just have this trilogy and maybe in like some flashbacks throughout the movies like that don't need to be like an entire two-hour movie maybe tell some and we got that though too that's what's frustrating about this whole thing is like when we whenever we go back to 78 and now 1666 which is only like an hour of this movie um i just i know what's you know exactly they've told you exactly what happens in both of those time periods. And it's the same complaint I had in the last one. And you're not really giving us anything, like you said, like more emotional depth. You're not like, you're kind of telling a little bit more of the story of, like you said, history repeats itself and why she was, you know, killed and, and, and things like that. But ultimately it just, again, it, it doesn't work. And you're kind of just like, Oh, okay. This this stuff just feels like people pretending. And then when we get back to the nineties, I'm like, okay, this is fun again, at least. Even if it's um, too little too late. Yeah. Like I think that's also a really important point to make is that when you get back to the nineties, like, and, 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 and also to your point, like if you look now having seen all three films, all three, yeah. it almost feels like they could have done a couple of flashbacks within one movie of yeah. 78 and 1666 instead of separating it into this you know four or five hour film or, or four hour mm -hmm. movie or, or epic trilogy like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't warrant it like that's the problem i had with this because i was saying oh this is this is like i appreciate the ambition and what they're trying to do and kind of create event horror like in you know this doesn't happen often um especially within this genre like the last time i think it did in, in that kind of way was was you know stephen king's it part one and two and look how that mm. flubbed it in, in in you know the second part of the story where it goes on for way too long fucking three hours where, where this is is i think similar in in sort of it to be critical of it is that like i only felt the 94 one was fleshed out enough to kind of yeah. justify you know the existence of the movie and just you know throw in a flashback here and there I, they, they did that i mean every time yeah. one of the characters touches you know the bones of of you sarah see Fear, little flashes that's all yeah. you needed and 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 you could have just had and then you have the other stuff in exposition and yeah then, yeah because you kind of already had as well you just take it out and you just use little supplements of that and and to me like i felt like 78 and 1666 as their own stories didn't really need to be you know no. a half an hour to an hour longer Didn't in addition add that to much to the overall story. yeah in addition to the bookends that are there 
in 94 that take place in quote unquote, the present of, of this sort yeah. of story. So it doesn't really justify the means of what they're doing here uh, in, in, in any way. I mean, and again, like going back to it, I mean, you can enjoy this almost in a kind of ironic way. Like there's like a bit where there's like a town meeting where, you know, the kids are talking about being teens at that time and like drinking Apple Jacks. And I just thought of the cereal <laughs> yeah, yeah. and things like sure, that, or yeah. like even the idea of them tripping out on berries. Like it's, it's kind yeah, of almost yeah. weirdly comical instead of being like, you know, kids sort of getting up to, uh, or, or sneaking around outside of their, you know, their houses at night and, and, and having fun and sort of how like, did teens, you know, get at, into in trouble back then? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about this off air, but, um, you know, our reviews for this Space Jam, uh, A New Legacy <laughs> and Pig all have, all available right now. All have a hog tie in. So yeah. um, it's it's just again, like it's one of those things where I really wanted to like this and I really like Lee Yeniak's honeymoon her her first film mm-hmm. and i was just kind of disappointed overall with you know <laughs> how much time is spent on this series and ultimately it just doesn't it's close to it's over five hours yeah I think, it, it right? ultimately like, just doesn't win and horror for me like it's easy to win me over for horror like right. i could have just had like if it was just fun it just never felt yeah. fun after the first one which isn't <clears throat> great either but at least mm-hmm. it kind of knew what it was going for and and i think Yeniak is basically looking at this and and like the, her strong suit is because she grew up in the 90s and probably yeah, was very familiar with that kind of genre it yeah it's ambition kind of you peters know. out yeah exactly where like i really do think that there is a fun 90s style slasher movie in these three movies and i i again you can listen to our first our, our 1994 review which i actually liked that movie quite a bit and then the end of this movie almost kind of won me back because again we spend more time in the 90s it takes place at a neon soaked mall sequence it's basically There's, home alone in a like, mall yeah and i'm like okay i remember that super soaker give me a little nostalgia i go i owned that thing that's cool and then like i just and yeah like they bring back you know the different killers that we've seen throughout you know the the trilogy of these these movies and i don't know if the week by week thing hurts it or helps it because like i think I don't it helps know whether- it for netflix in terms of marketing yeah. because i i almost feel like part of the idea of this series you know, Netflix releases so much every month, every week. I mean, right. if you listen to our reviews, we at least have one or two movies <laughs> from them, things, whether yeah. it be series or films. And it almost kind of keeps people interested in, you know, a franchise overall. And Netflix is looking to create a franchise. And this also leaves it open for more movies and more stories. But it yeah. does it in was such a Was that in the present dumb... day or was that in the 90s? That's a very good question. I, yeah. I am not sure. But the way that it does that at the end with it's two of the characters so... noticing something and you think like, okay, yeah. in any other movie, the character would destroy that thing. And it's just yeah, like yeah. it's, and you can already tell like why they're leaving that. Like that's going to be yeah. like the the important iconography of this series sure. if it continues. Yeah, which I'm sure they'll they'll. But then it's also dumb because you, know. you think of like other characters who probably already know about it that could take that. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. And uh, again, when it gets back to the '90s, I think once we get past the. Um, the 1666 stuff, which I just feel felt generic and like, you know, like we said, bad theater, like um, I did kind of enjoy it for its final act. But um, there's a but lot of hero it, moments, too, I think, that, yeah. are, that are problematic, not in like, you know, the controversial, but it's just like, sure, they become kind of almost like 
you, you know, like with Black Widow being released and it commenting on, you know, the pose, right? It's like there's so many hero moments where, you know, someone goes to do something that's admirable to save another person's life or help yeah. out. And or they save them at the last second. Yeah, and it's thing. almost yeah. like you get that shot of like that low angle kind of rising up and, and it's just like, let's do I'm this. I'm fine with all that because like, again, but I just wish the these movies kind of were consistent where I just feel like the middle you know, parts of them, like all the 90s stuff I enjoyed. Um, I just don't think some of the the flashbacks work. I'm totally a thousand percent with you. And I think I said the same thing of, I feel like you could have made one, you know, pretty fun movie that had some of this stuff in flashbacks, even if they were, or you, like they wanted to release these week by week and it's almost television anyway. Like why not just turn these six hours into a show and you could have done a 40 minute episode in the 78 and another 40 minute episode in 1666 and spend more time in 94 and then and then yeah and then i feel like you could have fleshed some because you it's so deep in its it's not deep it's deep in its lore of what it's trying to present to you but then the time you spend in each movie um it, that not, doesn't really work. And it just goes back to retell you stuff that you've already kind of heard through character exposition and things like that, instead of actually fleshing out what the lore of this is. Like, it's very thin if you think about it. Like, we got all that exposition in the first movie, and then it kind of just regurgitates it back to you. Well, again, the theme of you, history repeating like, itself over again, yeah. both thematically <clears throat> and literally in I, its character design and its yeah. storytelling. And it just kind of feels. You could have done this in six episodes, maybe on Netflix. Like that would have made more sense to me. Where and then if you wanted to do a season two, which it looks like, you know, they leave us on a little stinger at the end of this thing. I'm like, I I get that they want a film franchise, but if you're gonna make three movies and release them week to week it's that at that point you're like why isn't this just tv <laughs> like it's just to me it looks I, and I feels like it. it it yeah and i said this in the last one that we did this basically looks and feels like episodes of supernatural which i think again like you know goosebumps is on netflix in canada and it's almost like well to your point, why not make this a, a, a series? I mean, this is a series of books. So yeah. why why make this? Like, this doesn't feel like a feature to me at all. Like, none of these movies feel like films. Yeah. I, I Again, I, I, I think maybe 94 does the first one. But then as you add these other elements in the, in the sequels, it starts to just, you know, especially with the release strategy, just feel like TV. And I know we're blurring the lines of like, what's television now what's Matt, you know, what's a film it's all, and, yeah, it's all content but like and who Daddy cares? Made like, you some really the difference between a movie and, and tv now is just the length of of one one sitting right yeah. like if it's over an hour and 10 minutes it's a movie if it's under it's an episode of television and like it's i i it, it even with the Marvel stuff, like we just finished up Loki. I'm like, is that a movie stretched out to three and a half hours or four hours or whatever it is in those, in those episodes It's like all of it because movie studios are making TV and, and you know, it looks like TV studios are making movies. It's like, it's difficult to kind of differentiate between them. But then in this, I'm like, I feel like maybe if you would have broken it up and 
into, you know, shorter chunks and then spent a little bit more time fleshing things out in the nineties and then tell some of the, maybe you do, you add in an extra year because if you're going to do a six to eight episode series, like not saying that I wanted more, but if you kind of broke it up into smaller chunks, you could have maybe made this work a little bit better because I just don't think you needed to spend an entire movie in 1978 and then you know, three quarters of a movie in 1666. And I feel like those could have been 30 to 40 minute episodes of TV where that's cool. You're flipping through, you finish part one of 94, you go to part two of 94, or maybe in between that, then the next episode of fear street, you're like, Oh shit, this one's in the seventies. That's cool. And then it's a whole episode in the seventies. Like I like when a TV show does that when you're kind of just watching through and then randomly episode four or five is like, not what you're watching at all. It's giving you that backstory and that exposition that you kind of got through other characters. And then that's kind of a, a refreshing thing because we, and Netflix, again, I think they're also testing the waters with the week to week strategy thing too, right? Cause you're seeing success at Disney plus doing that Amazon success, doing that with a lot of their stuff where Netflix, I feel like they just, they came out the gates with like, we're different. We're going to give you everything at one time. You can binge it. You can watch it at your own pace. And we've talked about this on the other show in the streaming wars and things like that. I think they, they're starting to kind of sweat a little bit in the sense of like, okay, we need to try different things now. And with this, it's trying a week to week strategy, even though they're movies, not TV and, and things like that. And it's just an interesting, like to get away from the movie and just think about the trilogy as a whole and how Netflix released it. It's like, ultimately it doesn't work. Like I liked that first movie, but then I feel like as they go on and week to week, I became less and less interested. And then ultimately like it took me two sittings to get through this movie. I broke it up into the, uh, the literal two parts of this movie. And then ultimately by the end of it, I was like, I probably would have been okay with just that first movie. I don't know if I needed the other two, like you could have just released that one. And I would have been like, Oh, that was fun. And then moved on with my life. And like, it just feels like a lot. And I guess that's Netflix's sort of MO uh, is just like a, a quantity over quality kind a of quantum thing. leap, they, if you will. Yeah. And then you kind of like not saying that they don't release some good shit. Like Netflix releases some great stuff. It's just. And they do release um, movies. We should say that as well. But this yeah. almost feels like like 94, you know. Take it or leave it. It's an experiment. Really. Almost feels like it could still be a pilot, you know, and then like yeah. the series is those two other movies. But then another thing I have uh, some problems with is it is referencing other time periods as well. Like you, you have the Ruby yeah. Lane character from the 1950s, which is all some done other killers like in, in, in flashbacks and things yeah. like that. And and you think, okay, well, th- this this curse has been happening every few years for three centuries. It makes sense for an anthology series. Like, exactly. That's what I'm you could you could explore, you know, decades or 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 like you could do one in the eighties, you could do one in the fifties. And like the idea, like the the Ruby Lane stuff, it's like, well, why didn't they have a, a, a film dedicated to that? Because that in the first episode in 94 seemed like they were hinting that that was going to be a, a pivotal moment as well, because obviously 78 and 1666 have sort of these big massacres, but the, the, the 1950s sort of era stuff also, you know, has a character, you know, with yeah. the mother kind of coming back into there's play. There's a baby, like a baby face thing with a baseball bat. And I'm like, what the hell there's is a that mechanic, thing? Like, There's, there's like the, this uh, old one, uh, sort of like, yeah, um, uh, Mechan- uh, uh, like eyes wide shut mask kind looking of, yeah. motherfucker yeah 
Like, and, and those are the things like, and I agree with you. That's a great point, Eric. Thank you for bringing it up where it's just like, okay, you focused on those other time periods, but then you bring all these other masked killers in and it's almost like what we're saying. And like you if skim they through do, those, you literally just yeah. had like quick flashbacks and that's all you needed. You didn't need to have a whole film dedicated to the camp massacre. You didn't need to have a whole movie explaining, explaining Sarah fears origin, um, you know, without even having Sarah fear. Like, that's the other thing. Like, I think if it was the actor who was playing Sarah fear, it it might've had a little bit more emotion, but then when you have, you know, Keanu Madeira in the role, it kind of takes you out of it because ultimately, you know, you know, she's going to be fine no matter what. And then when you have sort of, there's a a, a horrific moment of of violence towards that character. And it's again, almost comically played. Like it's, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't, it doesn't land as like a vicious act. It feels more like a joke. Like the references that, that this movie is making to things like, you know, King Solomon and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Oedipus and things like that. It just, it, it ultimately feels so shallow in the way that, you know, we've been talking about the idea that, you know, the, the legacy and lore of, of this sort of franchise is so paper thin. Mm-hmm. And not yeah, to say that yeah. slasher movies and you know need to have like they don't either. <laughs> yeah. They're I mean, like you yeah. look at the Terminator franchise, and and I think we'll also talk about this when we review A Quiet Place. That you know the mythology isn't as rich as the filmmakers think it is, and or at least sure. the studios think it is, because when you get to like a third or fourth film in a franchise, and if it's not working it becomes even more apparent where like, okay, I can understand them doing a sequel to something that's very successful, but then if you less is more, yeah, if you further expand it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to sort of, you know, enrich the viewer's experience and add to the mythology that's there because sometimes there really isn't a mythology. It's just, that's what I mean. So it's better left unsaid because then you just leave it to the viewers to use their imagination. And sometimes that's better than, you know, over explaining something and going, this isn't really that interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that and even like, goes to something that we do like with, with yeah. like, you know, Prometheus where like, yeah. I understand that criticism of people being like, well, why do we need to see the space jockeys and sort of like the origins of that? Like, I, I, I love that movie. I, I think it's, it's a great film, but I also understand that like, Hey, if it didn't exist, and we just had, you know, the the alien franchise as it is, yeah. it wouldn't ultimately we ultimately wouldn't suffer because of yeah, it. Yeah. You know, like it's it, more often than not, it makes franchises worse yes. the longer you go on and you overexplain. It takes things, away the so. mystery of it or the fun yeah. of it. It's like again, like when you look at Terminator, it's like, okay, it's a time traveling slasher who goes back to the eighties and is after a woman uh mm-hmm. whose son is gonna be the leader of the free world. And this and the sequel is great. But the sequel kind of like, you know, partly being directed by James Cameron, you look at it and you're like, okay, it's a one, two punch and it's done. You know, you don't yeah. need then to expand that. Then when you get into that. three and four and five, you're like, oh God, stop. Stop Please rebooting stop. this thing. It's not yeah. working. Yeah, yeah. I And then you see that it, I just don't think we've ever seen it this quickly in three weeks with three movies, right? Yeah. So I don't know. It, it just ultimately doesn't work. Um, I'll give the movie a two and a half just because um, – I like the 94 stuff, but I did not care for any of the 1666 stuff. Yeah, I'm going to give it a two because I think the 1666 stuff ultimately um, overstays its welcome and becomes comically uh, sort of frustrating uh, at times. And I do like the wraparound sort of conclusion back into 94, but I think it's just too little too late. 
Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, I hope you did listen to our other two Fear Street reviews for part one and part two. Those are available uh, for you right now. Um, but uh, more importantly, today, like Eric mentioned, we have a trilogy of not pig-themed movies, but they all feature a pig. Uh, you can go listen to our reviews of Pig or uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, so those are both available to you guys right now. Uh, Eric and I are returning to the movies today. We're very excited. Um, the day of our our Lord, the cinema uh, on July 16th, Eric and I- Our Lord are, Landmark? Are, yeah, our Lord Landmark. Love that. Uh, we're going to see F9 and Escape Room 2, and we watched Quiet Place this week. So we'll have reviews for all those three movies coming up in the next few days as well. Um, so a, a pretty exciting time. Um, you know, the movies are back. It feels the very movies. weird. We're literally recording this very early so we can kind of uh, get together around lunchtime and, and see a double feature. And, um, um, you know, it's a weird way to end a Netflix review. But I feel like that era of, you know, we're still going to I think it's changed the movie industry forever. But it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens now that everything's starting to open up. And um, well, to your you know, point, I think it's also like looking I was looking on uh, the the Cineplex app and and you were texting me the other day about it as well, is that you're seeing like sold out screenings for films that are also available on on stream on streaming, yeah. whether it be Black Widow or even Space a Quiet Jam. Place Part Two or Space Jam. Yeah, Space you know? Jam, like Quiet Place. You can literally if you're in Canada, if you have Prime, uh, you can watch it for free. And then but Quiet Place, Bo Burnham's Inside. I'd never think I'd see a Netflix I consider it a movie, but you can call it a Netflix special or whatever. I think it's more of a um, movie than the, the Fear Street trilogy. Yeah. It's sold out in Whippy, um, like Bo Burnham's Inside, and it's been available for two months. And I'm like, that's cool. And like, that's really, really dope. And I know his fans are very passionate and things like that. But I mean, I'm sure we'll go all into this uh, on the next episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. But um, just to kind of end this uh, of very excited so um we'll have all that for you guys uh, very very soon um also untitled movie conversations you can go check out our new conversation with uh, the folks at uh phantom city creative a wonderful conversation so go subscribe to that as well uh drop us a follow on letterbox that untitled podcast that's kind of where we put all of our reviews lists uh social links which is untitled underscore cast everywhere else um i'll start doing the schedules again now that it's getting kind of busy again uh and we're going back to the movies and we got press screenings next week eric that's wild <laughs> like, wow oh so we'll t- maybe have a conversation about loki as well so um yeah you can find everything over on letterboxd our hq over there um Please drop us a, uh, a review if you would be so kind. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchand. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash scene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Gotta keep them separated. Bam, 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 bam.